welcome to 81 Points, where we talk about all things Lakers, hosted by two guys named Chris. Okay, welcome to another episode of 81 Points. This is going to be a different type of podcast episode as I am here by myself. Uh, My co-host Chris is not here. Uh, for this episode so a solo episode i don't really know how long i'm going to be talking for um let's see how long i can ramble on but i am recording this a few minutes after the lakers uh loss at the hands of the milwaukee bucks Uh, you know when people look at the box score uh for those that didn't watch the game they'll probably think to themselves you know the, the Milwaukee Bucks have the best record in the NBA. This, this wasn't uh, unexpected by any means. But for those of us that did watch the game, uh, you can't help but to feel pretty disappointed in the results. Uh, this, you know, you can make a case, and I'm going to make the case, that the Lakers probably should have won this game. Uh, at one point in the second half, they were up by as many as 12 points. And, uh, you know, they held Giannis to just 16 points for the entire game. Uh, But uh, for some reason, the Lakers just could not contain Eric Bledsoe tonight. Uh, He finished the game with 31 points. And uh, Malcolm Brogdon also, you know, being being his efficient self, finished the game with uh, 21 points on 8 of 13 shooting. And those two guys basically killed the Lakers tonight. one thing to note uh, is that, you know, going down the stretch, it was very apparent which, which team was the better team. Uh, Milwaukee just started to execute their offense, um, and the Lakers had a hard time keeping up with that. You know, and on the flip side, when you see the Lakers with the ball, um, there's a lot of standing around, uh, the flow of the basketball moving wasn't really there towards the end. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of these young players, they tend to kind of watch LeBron and uh, the execution just wasn't uh, nearly as sharp on the Lakers side as it was on the Bucks side towards the end there. So uh, disappointing, disappointing game. Um, You know, a lot of people are, and have been on the fire Luke train for quite a while now. And uh, this, this game did not do anything to calm that chatter down at all. Because, um, you know, watching the fourth quarter, I, I saw a lot of questionable things that uh, Luke decided to do. Um, for one, you know, Brandon Ingram, who was having such a great game, uh, he was... Could have been on on his way to uh, you know a career high, a career game for himself. Um, inexplicably, uh, did not play for the first five minutes of the fourth quarter. Um, he was firing on all cylinders, and then Luke took him out and kept him on the bench for quite a long time. Uh, in my opinion, a lot longer than he should have. And so. By the time Ingram checked back into the game, uh, you really just didn't see the rhythm that he had 
prior to his being benched. And uh, as a result, he couldn't really get going uh, down the stretch there. Um, another very questionable move, I thought, was Luke deciding to go with Contavious Caldwell Pope for the entire fourth quarter and not going with Reggie Bullock. Um, we're going to look back at this game and wonder why Luke decided to do that. Uh, you know, Bullock is a, is a taller and longer player. Um, he's probably also a better shooter than KCP. And so I fully expected uh, Bullock to come back into the game and play the crunch time minutes, but um, Luke decided not to, not to play him and went with KCP, who ended up making uh, a very critical turnover off an inbounds play uh, down the stretch there that really hurt uh, the Lakers' chances. And, um, you know, the defense, uh, they gave up 131 points. I mean, Milwaukee is one of the best teams in the NBA. But, uh, you know, for, for a game which uh, Giannis scores 16 points, Chris Middleton takes eight shots from the field. The Lakers still gave up 131 points to the Milwaukee Bucks at home. So that didn't bode well for um, the Lakers from a def- defensive perspective. And yeah, overall, uh, it was a game that was very much winnable for the Lakers, and they did not come up with the win, uh, especially you know given the situation with the team right now where every game is a must-win um, if they want to make the playoffs. Uh, these sort of seesaw up and down uh, anyone's, anyone's game type of, uh, basketball matchups are going to be the ones that the Lakers really need to start winning and, um, a golden opportunity tonight, but the Lakers, uh, couldn't capitalize. And so that leaves us, uh, since the last podcast we, we recorded, which was Right after the uh, Lakers win over the Houston Rockets, I think the team has now gone one and three since then. Um, back-to-back losses on the road against the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, which um, an even pessimistic Laker fan would have expected them to at least get one win out of those two away games, but they lost both of those games, and then uh, they came back to beat the Pelicans at home a few days ago. And now uh, after this recent game with the Milwaukee Bucks, um, the Lakers are one and three in their last four games. And now they are at 30 and 32. Uh, You're looking at the team being, I think they're about three games out of uh, the eighth seed, maybe four. Three and a half or four games out of the eight seed. And uh, with 20 games remaining, that's going to be quite a daunting task for this team. And the Lakers still have to play a handful of difficult matchups. Um, I think they have to go play Milwaukee again at Milwaukee. And uh, another, another game against the Warriors is on schedule. You got a matchup against the Denver Nuggets. Um, so... Quite a few tough games left for the Lakers. Um, 
this is, uh, you know, this is the first time LeBron James has played in the Western Conference. And I think he's probably starting to figure out that the Western Conference is no joke. Um, there's hardly any off nights playing in the West. And uh, with a team that's looking from the outside, looking in on the playoff picture, um, it's going to be quite an uphill battle for LeBron to carry this team to the finish line here. Um, so what would it mean if this team does not make the playoffs? Um, we, all, we all suspected that LeBron was going to have his consecutive N- NBA Finals appearance streak uh, broken this season, but... For him to completely miss the playoffs, I think it's going to be very disappointing. Um, now, you know, given given the performance of LeBron in these recent games and and the team overall, uh, a lot of a lot of Laker fans are pointing at LeBron's uh, apparent lack of defensive effort uh, as one of the main reasons why the team has been struggling as of late. Um, there were a couple of plays, especially in the uh, Memphis game, where LeBron seemingly uh, displayed minimal effort in trying to close out on defenders um, as they hit wide-open jump shots. Um, I think that, you know, I think LeBron's defense is pretty much on par for what he's been doing uh, in his past couple of seasons now. Um, I don't think he's I don't think his defense has taken a dip at all um from what he was doing during his second stint with the Cavaliers. Um it's certainly taken a dip from Miami LeBron, um who which I think was the absolute peak of his powers. Um this was you know, when he was on the Heat, he was playing you could have made a case that he was the best player on offense and defense. Um Nowadays, uh, you know, now that he's in his 16th year in the NBA, uh, he has a ton of mileage on his body. Um, you can tell that he's saving most of his energy to carry the offensive load um, on his teams. And so he's going to struggle to uh, maintain a certain level of defensive intensity that uh, a lot of fans are probably expecting out of him. But uh, to say that he's taking a taking a dip on defense, I think um, people need to look at the the numbers of his recent seasons, and and they'll see that um, he hasn't taken much of a dip um, as far as individual defenses is concerned. You know, actually, uh, during this recent game against the Bucks, uh, I thought LeBron played pretty good defense throughout the entire game. You know, I was. I thought his help defense was really good. Um, he played the five position a lot, and uh, I can, I'm gonna guess that he had a good game uh, rebounding wise. Um, let me look that up real quickly. So LeBron finished the game with 31 points, 10 rebounds, or seven rebounds and 10 assists. So just another. Ho hum, thirty-one, seven, and ten game for LeBron. Um, it, it didn't feel like he was having a spectacular game by any means, but he still finishes uh, with a stat line that just completely stuffs the box score. So, 
um, that bodes really well for his um, short-term uh, future here, that he's still able to pull up these numbers. So yeah, a lot of people have been complaining about LeBron's defense lately. Um, and I think that's basically pretty overblown. Um, he's basically the same player this year as he's been um, with the Cavaliers in the past couple of seasons. Um, you know, we got to remember that he has had, he suffered the most significant injury of his career this year, uh, missing 17 games with a groin strain. So despite that, he's still putting up peak LeBron numbers. So that, that, should, uh, that should be a comforting sign for Laker fans out there. Um, I think another, another aspect to this is just the on-court frustrations that LeBron has uh, displayed. You know, yelling at teammates. Um, you can see that at times he's visibly upset and frustrated with the play of the team. And um, that, you know, that rubs fans the wrong way. And, um, you know, I, I feel like that's somewhat justified that the fans would be frustrated by that. Um, is that killing the camaraderie of the team? Is that killing the locker room? I don't think so at all. Um, you know, when you're playing sports, people get frustrated. And uh, these are desperate times for the Lakers. And so players are going to get upset. And LeBron's, you know, demonstrative gestures of frustration towards his teammates, I don't think that's affecting the camaraderie of the team at all. You know, if anything, if anything hurt team chemistry, it was the debacle of the Anthony Davis uh, trade saga leading up to the trade deadline. I think that's going to be the thing. If anything, uh, that will be the reason why this team lacks team chemistry in any way. Um, so the Lakers are struggling. And one thing that I find frustrating is listening to the national media talk about how these young Lakers are not as good as people think they are. Um, and this has been a narrative that's been carried for a long time now. Uh, it really started to pick up a lot of momentum uh, during the Anthony Davis trade saga at the, at the uh, NBA trade deadline when um, you know, people were saying the package, the reported package that the Lakers were offering to the Pelicans was not good enough for Anthony Davis. And uh, the main reason being that, you know, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and Lonzo Ball, uh, a lot of people don't think much of them as players. And, um, you know, when you're looking, anyone that, can, anyone that watches the game carefully, watches this team play this season, and especially as of light, late, they're, they're going to realize that the young Lakers are not the problem with this team. Um, as we've said before in previous podcasts, I'm going to attribute most of the team struggles due to injury. Um, you know, we still don't see Lonzo Ball. He's been out for over six weeks now. Um, Lance Stevenson didn't play in tonight's game against the Bucks. 
And, uh, you know, like I said, LeBron missed 17 games in a row. Uh, there have been stints where Brandon Ingram has missed time. Uh, Rondo has missed time on multiple occasions. And, uh, you know, Josh Hart has been playing hurt for virtually the entire season. And so all of these little factors are going to add up to uh, this team struggling. And so I put injuries as the number one reason why this team is where they're at right now. Um, Secondly, it's going to be the overall composition of this roster. So when uh, the Lakers made the moves that they made uh, after signing LeBron, you know, a lot of the experts kind of ridiculed these moves, you know. Um, And, you know, I got to say, they're starting to, it's starting to feel like they were justified in their um, skepticism towards these front office acquisitions. Um, You know, Rondo, I thought that Rondo was a good signing. You know, he he provides a veteran presence to this team. Um, Right now, he's basically the only point guard available to play. Um, But overall, I thought he was a good good signing. But, you know, I, I I have to admit that his defense has been pretty bad as of late. And so, um, you know, he's become somewhat of a mixed bag in terms of results on the court. Um, and then you look at other, other signings. Um, Michael Beasley, he's, uh, he was traded and cut immediately by the Clippers. Uh, JaVale McGee, um, at times he looks very good, and then at times he looks pretty lost on the court. So I would say it's been a mixed bag for him as well. Um, Tyson Chandler, who we thought was going to really stabilize things um, on the front line for the Lakers. Uh, you know, he's, his performance has dipped dramatically as the season has gone on. And, and I think, you know, his age has a lot to do with it. Um, and, uh, you know, Lance Stevenson, obviously he's kind of a, he's kind of a feast or famine type of player. You know, sometimes he'll be very good on the court while other times he seems pretty uncontrollable out there. And so he's also a mixed bag. And the fact that the Lakers didn't sign any shooters on this team has really hurt, um, has really hurt the Lakers, um, throughout this season. And so I think the front office, uh, moves that, that were made this season have been, another reason why this team is where they are at right now. And so, um, especially these, you know, these veterans, they've been, they've been struggling as of late. And so you can put a lot of, uh, you can put a lot of the onus on that, on their lack of production as to why the Lakers have been losing games, which seemingly they should win. Uh, but I think, uh, Back to my original point that these young Lakers, they're, they're very little to do with the reason why this team is struggling right now. And if there is one positive note uh, to the recent string of games is just the sheer emergence of Brandon Ingram. I think this has to be his best five-game stretch of his career 
so far. Um, so Brandon Ingram put up 31 points today against the Bucks, and um, that's his fifth straight game over 20 points. So in his recent five games, um, including tonight's 31-point performance, he put up 23 points against the Pelicans, uh, 32 points against the Grizzlies, 29 points against the Pelicans, and 27 points against the Rockets. So Brandon Ingram, I mean, it looks like that it looks like he's really turned a corner and he's figuring things out. And um, you know, the arrival of Brandon Ingram is on full display right now. And it's it's not it's not unrealistic to think that Brandon Ingram is gonna average between 20 and 25 points uh for the last 20 games here um if he keeps up this pace then you know we're gonna see a lot of people and the so-called experts you know change their mind about Brandon Ingram and, and his potential because right now you know there's I feel like the majority of the national media would consider Jason Tatum to be a a bigger pro, bigger time prospect than Brandon Ingram, and and I'm bringing up the Celtics because you know they're going to be the team this offseason that's going to be competing with the Lakers for the Anthony Davis sweepstakes. So we got to we got to compare these guys to the Celtics young players. Um, so I think for the most part, the, the consensus is that Jason Tatum is a better prospect than Brandon Ingram at the moment. And there are, uh, there are a good amount of people out there that believe that Jalen Brown is a better prospect than Brandon Ingram. So I think if we see Brandon Ingram keep this pace up for the rest of the season, that opinion is going to start changing. It should change. You know, most Laker fans have known for quite a while what Ingram's potential is. And the fact that it's starting to come to fruition is a really good sign for this team. Now, I've said, you know, in previous podcast episodes that my, I, my opinion is that the Lakers should not go back to the Pelicans offering the same package that they supposedly offered before the trade deadline. Um, I think it was something along the lines of Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, um, Zubats when he was on the team, and two first-round picks which is a ridiculous offer for a player that does not want to be on your team, that is not going to sign long-term with your team. And I know Anthony Davis is a superstar. I mean, I, I think he's easily one of the five best players in the NBA right now, and he's only 25 years old. He's got a really long time left in his prime to play, so if there's any player to get, then he's the guy. But to just gut your entire team especially your entire team of young players with a lot of potential for for anthony davis i think is a bit too much so under no circumstances would i want uh magic and Ropalinka to come back to the pelicans with the same reported offer that they went to 
uh, prior to the trade deadline. That just shouldn't happen. And if there's any indication of why that shouldn't happen, it should, they should look at what Brandon Ingram is doing uh, in these recent games. And so, yes, most of, the, most of our eyes are going to be on the win-loss record and you know, trying to get into the playoffs. But one thing that we should really closely monitor is how Brandon Ingram is progressing and how he finishes the season. Um, I think with the other guys, you know, Lonzo, obviously, we just want him back healthy. Um, he was on a nice little string of games prior to his ankle injury. And so, you know, he's missed quite a bit of time now. And when he comes back to the court, he's going to have some rust. So Lakers fans shouldn't expect him to just hop right back into where he left off, you know? They're going to, he needs to ease his way into the play of the game again. And Kyle Kuzma, uh, Kyle Kuzma is basically, he's not a player that's hard to figure out. You, you know what you get with him. Um, you're going to get a streaky shooter, uh, a guy that can score in a number of ways, uh, a guy that plays with a lot of heart, plays with a lot of effort, but is to put it mildly, challenged on the defensive end. And so um, he's, a real, he's a real easy guy to evaluate. And, um, you know, I like him as a player. I hope, I hope the Lakers keep him. You know, I'm rooting for the guy, but um, he really needs to find a way to shore up uh, his game on the defensive side. You know, if he can end up being a good defender in this league, then you're looking at an all-star player with Kuzma. Um, and so with these young Lakers, you know, Ingram, Kuzma, and Lonzo Ball, I feel like the perception of them on, on a national scale is a little bit um, skewed against their favor because, you know, for each of these guys, there's one glaring um flaw in each of their games and uh the media tends to look at that and really pin that against each of these players you know for brandon ingram it's uh his lack of three-point shooting um for kyle kuzman's defense and for lonzo it's his you know, field goal percentage and his really unorthodox shooting form. And so none of these guys are perfect players by any means, but uh, the national media tends to look at their flaws and really influence the way they judge these players based on those flaws. But, you know, the rest of us that watch these games, the, the rest of us that really see what they do. Um, we can see the potential in all of these guys. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards wanting the front office to keep these players. 
you know, I definitely don't think that they should trade all three of the young Lakers in a package for Anthony Davis. Um, but uh, if it's going to be two players, then, you know, I'll, I, I think I can be okay with that. Uh, but yeah, these guys are playing hard. They're not the reason why this team is losing right now. And we got to see how they finish the year, you know. Playoffs or no playoffs. Hopefully they make hopefully this team makes it to the playoffs because it's very critical for these guys to get some playoff experience um moving forward. And you know, one decent playoff run for these young Lakers uh is also really gonna change the national perception of them as well. I mean, look what happened to Jason Tatum. He had a very good playoff run last season, and that really solidified in a lot of people's minds that he is bound to be a future star. And, you know, let me make one thing clear. I like Jason Tatum as a player. I think he's got tremendous upside, you know. I'm, I'm not one of those Laker fans that tries to shit-talk Jason Tatum because of the comparisons between him and the young Lakers. You know, I think he's a really good player and a lot of potential. Uh, I think any team would be very lucky to have him. Um, My whole thing is that, you know, Ingram, Kuzma, Lonzo, I don't think that they're very far off from Tatum. You know, I'm actually okay with the argument that Tatum's the best prospect between the young Celtics players and the young Lakers players. I'm okay with people saying that. Um, they could be, they could very well be right in that assessment. But what gets me is when people say it's not even close when comparing Jason Tatum to say Brandon Ingram. I think it's a lot closer than what most people believe, and. I got to think that the national perception is going to affect how the Pelicans uh, negotiate this offseason with uh, dealing Anthony Davis to either one of these teams. Which I got to point again is why these guys need to finish really strong for the last 20 games. Um, So other than that... um, you know, the team is now 30 and 32. Um, didn't think at all that we would be at this point, but here we are. Let's hope that this team gets healthy. You know, we really miss Lonzo Ball. And uh, they got a tough road ahead of them. I mean... I think, you know, the analytics say that they have uh, definitely have less than a 5% chance to make the playoffs at this point. And so it's not looking good, but LeBron is still, you know, a lot of people say that he's not the best player in the game anymore, but he's still at the very, at the very worst, one of the top three best players in the game still. So uh, you have that. On your team, you have a chance. And uh, while this game was frustrating, losing to the Bucks at home, um, 
there were, I got to say, there were some positives to it. Um, you know, if, if this team could display that level of effort the rest of the way, then, uh, then I'll like our chances a lot more because you can tell that they tried really hard. It's just down the stretch, there were a few errors in execution and some questionable coaching decisions that really hampered this team down the stretch. Uh, otherwise, you know, from an effort perspective, the team had a really good energy throughout this game. And so if they can keep that energy level up uh, for the rest of the way here, then, then you know, I'll be a little bit more optimistic uh, with the team's chances to make the playoffs. So, yeah, with that said, I'm going to have a... I'll be sure to have Chris back on here for the next podcast episode. And then we could talk about, you know, how, how this Lakers team is the state of the Lakers currently. Um, there was a, there was a really good four overtime game between the Hawks and the Bulls tonight. Uh, I think the Bulls squeezed out a, a victory there, but uh, you know, a side note is that, Trey Young's really coming along. And, you know, what was once thought to be a lopsided trade between the Mavericks and the Hawks, um, it's starting to look more and more like you're seeing, you're going to see this trade being one of those so called win win for both teams because Trey Young's playing phenomenal these last couple of games since the All Star break. Um, the Lakers, they really. They really missed out on this rookie class. I think, you know, by all indications so far, this is going to end up being one of the best draft classes in a long time. And as fate has it, the Lakers did not have a lottery pick this season, but um, we still have a good young core of players, despite what the national media says. So on that note, uh, thank you for listening. I'll end the podcast here and we'll be back next time with both Chris's and till then have a good weekend, everyone. There's reason to be optimistic. Let's not, you know, let's not freak out too much. Uh, this was never going to be a championship year anyways. So you, Let's try to keep things in proper perspective. You know, the Lakers are going to have a lot of cap flexibility after this season. So there's reason to be optimistic moving forward is basically what I'm trying to say. So on that note, um, thank you for listening. And we will talk to you guys next time. Thank you for tuning into 81 Points. We are a Los Angeles Lakers podcast hosted by me, Chris Lim and my longtime friend and co-host, Chris Lee. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe and leave a rating or comment. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can get more episodes of 81 Points on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.